Okay, no intro to episode seven of We're No Experts, the podcast um, that I like to describe as an uninformed search for truth. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan Hamilton. I'm your other host, Jim Martin. And Jim, uh, I don't really know what we're talking about this week. Um, we spent like 20 minutes talking about what we were going to talk about, but you have a you have a follow up. I do I have do I do have a follow up. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's a little bit of an indirect follow up. And it goes back a couple episodes. I probably should have checked and figured out which episode it directly goes back to. Uh, but it is the one where we talked about, I think it was Easter. Yeah. We talked about uh, lying to your kids uh, in regards to the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. And if that's right or wrong to do. Yeah. Okay. So I found myself at a uh, Durham Bulls baseball game uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh for those of you that aren't from around here, there there are none of those. I don't yeah. think. Well, well, there will be at some point in time. This oh, is. Oh yeah. yeah, they're listening to the backlog. Right, right. Welcome, new listeners. Yeah, right. In 2022, <laughs> um, the 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 Durham Bulls are a real team. It's not just a movie. It's our local AAA baseball team here. It's the minor league affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays, currently. Um, and I was at a game, and the the mascot is Wool E Bull, right? Yes. Uh, and so there's a guy dressed up in a, in a costume, right? And one of those mascot suits. We don't have a real bull uh, mascot that we put on the field. It's a dude in a, in a suit. Uh, and there's a little shtick they do where they get a kid from the stands. And this is in between innings as, you know, like it just be, uh, between innings to, to kind of pass the time. And it's a, it's a family-friendly type atmosphere here, right? Um, and the kid runs the – Wooly starts at – I don't remember if he's at first or if he's at third. And the other, this is not an Abbott and Costello routine, <laughs> by the way. And 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 which base the kids at? But they're at opposite more, sides. More like an the, Abbott and Costner routine, <laughs> right? No, no. I, see, I see where you're going. There, but, um, the kids at one first or third, and, and Willie's at the other one. And they try to run around, and they they they're the first one to get to home, right? So they're running the opposite directions around the bases, yeah. right? Um, one of them's running the correct way, one of them's running, I guess, the incorrect way. And you know Willie's going to um, purposely lose, right? He makes it close. He'll slow up at times and speed up, and it's trying to be a close race. Um, but at the end, he's going to lose. The kid's going to cross home, you know, a couple steps before Willie, and Willie does the thing where he kind of throws his arms up in the air, and he's sure. like, oh, no, I lost again, <laughs> right? He's the uh, Oshawa Generals in this. Is that right? The, the team that always loses Isn't to the Globe Isn't it Washington? Trotters. Is it? I'm pretty sure it's Washington oh, Generals. Damn. All right. Well, we'll look that one up some other day. We'll, but we probably won't. Anyway, um, so essentially the, the crowd, you know, the, those of us that haven't gotten up at this point to go to the bathroom or get a refill or, you know, uh, you know, a dog or whatever that it is that you do between innings, right? Is all into it and they cheer and they're always cheering on the kid, right? Yeah, Even though like I, yeah, I love to see Wooly beat the kid sure. at some point. Just in time. smoke him. Right. Because he could, right? Well, he's pretty fast. Whoever's in that suit is an athletic individual. You have to be. Right, yeah. I mean, he jumps around. He, I've seen him kind of jump up on one of the rails and walk around it, you know, one of the guardrails and stuff like that. Yeah, well, he's cool. Um, but he loses every time. And the, the crowd's on, on the kid's side in general, overwhelmingly. So we're all lying to the kid, right? The kid thinks he beat Wooly Bull fairly in a race. Mm. Is this yeah. is this like is this like the George Carlin wussification type thing? <laughs> is is that what we're all contributing towards? 
Uh, is it a, a participation trophy? How bad is this? Or is it just like, no, man, like, come on, get off of it. Like, this is, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm inclined to say, and this is just my knee-jerk reaction, there's nothing wrong with this. Um, but I need more details. Is there a prize involved? There is no prize that I'm aware of. If, okay. if there is, I really doubt it because it's, it's certainly never been announced that I've, that I've heard. And I've been to a lot of these games. Okay. Now, are people saying to these children, wow, you've got some real talent. You were able to outrun the bull. Maybe there's a spot for you on the roster someday. Uh, again, not out loud to the rest. Like, there, there's nobody with a microphone that says that after the kid wins. Like, hey, there's no interview. Like, hey, little Stevie, way to go. You beat Wooly. How does it feel? Oh, someday you, I'm sure you'll be on the team. Like, that, that's not happening. There's no expectations. Right? It's just like, yeah, you set. won. Yeah. 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 Congratulations. Right. Yeah, this is no different in my mind than letting a kid occasionally win a hand of Uno or occasionally letting them fudge when you're playing a board game. Which is okay. I think that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not telling the kid, okay, look, there are rules to things that um, are supposed to be fun sometimes. And a lot of the time, the rules exist to enforce the fun, and other times you have to subvert the rules to create fun. And I think that's a valuable lesson. Is it? This could get a little deeper here all of a sudden because this didn't, I didn't think of this until just now, to be honest. But is it kind of like telling the kid, like overinflating their sense of self worth or ego, like telling a kid that clearly can't grow up to be something that they can well, like it, hey it, little little you know stevie again because i'm terrible about coming up with names uh you know you can grow up to be an astronaut when realistically you know like that kid probably doesn't got what it takes whoa, whoa, whoa. that's like a false equivalence right is I it mean, we're, we're talking about just outrunning a mascot like hey if you enjoy running you could you could run in your high school track team someday maybe you could be a professional runner. And that's why you asked, like, is anybody telling this kid right. he can grow up to become a professional baseball player? Right, right. Because he beat the mascot. See, it could be that winning that race, even though it was rigged, is what inspires the kid to go on to be a runner. You know what I mean? I, but but it's different than saying you've got what it takes to be a runner because you beat the bull. As long as that's not the message, I think it's okay. Have you ever been brought out onto the court or onto the field for something like that yourself? You um, ever do the half-court shot? They don't let that? adults do race against Wooly. Well, no, no, okay, sure. But any, <laughs> any, other, any other thing, any other sporting no, events? No, halftime. no, I wish I – I mean, of course I would love to do the ones where you can win a prize, right? Like shoot the half-court shot. Although I, I can imagine like you'd just be a bundle of nerves. Yeah. But I think they pick them – they give you a heads up. Like you know – in advance you're going to do that like mm-hmm. not like at the before the the in this case i guess the basketball game but like weeks in advance maybe so you can practice for it huh um it might be different on a game by game basis or team by team you know but yeah if you could practice in advance i i would try pretty hard to get good at it um I did have a friend when I was a kid that got to do the Scoro thing, which uh, this is going to take a little bit of an explanation. So they put a board in front of the net during hockey games, right? And they start you off pretty close and they give you a stick and a puck and they let you try to shoot 
there's a small hole at the bottom center of the board that the puck will barely fit through, supposedly. And how does the goalie factor into this? There's no goalie. That's why they put a board in front of that. We're not talking about regular hockey. This is just a special. It's the thing. it's the it's the intermission thing. Okay, okay. okay. There's no real halftime okay. at a hockey game. Okay, right? there's gotcha. three periods. So during intermission, they yeah put a big board that blocks the whole net, and at the bottom there's just in the center bottom there's just a hole that a, the puck would slide through. Yeah, it's right? about accuracy. Right? right, and they put you pretty close, and if you make that, you get like I don't know 100 bucks, and they keep moving you back further until you're at center ice. And if you make that, you get supposedly like a car or something. Hmm. Yeah. I, I would love to do that. Do, do you have to cut your losses? Like if you feel like you can't make the next shot, do you bail out? Is it like who wants to be a millionaire? No, man. You try no matter what. There's no point in not trying. I and mean, some people like very much so embarrass themselves <laughs> um, because it's not easy, right? And uh, yeah, there's there's some people that get out there and try it that you're just like, oh, geez, that wasn't even close. You know, like how bad is it if you can't, you don't even have the oomph to get it, all, to get the puck to the net. Yeah, that would be like mean. if it falls short. Yeah, that would totally be. Yeah, mean. the crowd's going to boo you. I feel like number one, the puck is a lot heavier than it looks. I've never played ice hockey, so yeah. I couldn't tell you, but I, I'm sure that puck's heavier than. Well, it looks. the thing is, if you have zero technique because you've never done it before, yeah. it's going to be very difficult. Well, sure, you're gonna you're gonna hit the ice with the end of your hockey stick before you ever hit the puck and lose a lot of the force. Yeah, you try to slap it, and that's not the right approach yeah but if you've shot a puck yeah it, it's something you'd really want to try to do at some point is it a, is it a thing you're supposed to like kind of touch it like you would if you were putting in golf and it's like a little a little pull back a little push and you maybe flick the end of it or something like that kind of usually you put it towards the back of your stance and you and you you know have the puck kind of cradled in the stick and the blade of the stick right and you slide it all forward at once welcome back to we're no grexperts the uh oh hockey yeah ignorance Whoa, my podcast. Bad. i guess i'm well you're yeah we, should, we gotta drop that maybe i might potentially be a hockey expert you certainly know more about it than i do yeah i've played for quite a while so we'll we'll get off that topic quickly i did play mutant league <laughs> hockey on the sega genesis and probably blades of steel on nintendo no? yes absolutely yeah. and wayne gretzky 3d hockey on the nintendo 64 and that really fun hockey game that was on original uh, NES where like you could set your lineup I don't know what the, I think it was just called hockey right? I think so it was just called hockey and you could pick skinny guys medium guys or fat guys and the skinny guys were really fast but mm. they could get knocked down easy and the big guys had hard shots that was a fun one so probably a lot of truth in that one Okay, so yeah, I, but right. where I'm landing on this is I think that that's not really lying to children Let it, letting them get an easy win and, and just to build some cheap heat is fine, right? Um, what about, though, I guess I touched base on it, and, and man, we don't generally t- tend to go this deep on the show, but when you do tell a kid that they can maybe be something they can't be, even though you probably don't truly believe it. Like, if I, if I know, hey, this kid, okay, I guess there's no way I would personally know, unless... Yeah, there's no way I'd personally know. But if I truly believe this kid is just doesn't have what it takes to, to grow up to be something, like I can tell this kid is is just just way behind the curve. Like, should I should I lie to him and tell him, hey, I I, I truly believe you can, or should I tell them like there was a great episode of The Simpsons recent, that I recently watched. It wasn't a recent episode. It was Part of the season, Great Simpsons rewatch. Yes, yeah, so it was from season three, where they take uh, those like career aptitude tests in school, right? And it's supposed to tell you what you should go into when you grow up. 
And Lisa's all pissed because it says she should be a homemaker. And she's like a very independent type kid, right? And wants to grow up to be a, uh, a jazz or blues saxophonist or some, something. She, she's, she sees like the, the homemaker answer is somewhat demeaning to her. Sure. And so she goes, Marge takes her to see a, uh, some kind of, I don't know, instructor or something, teacher, I guess, in, in saxophone. And he listens to her for a few minutes. He's like, yeah, all right. Uh-huh, right? And she's kind of jamming along. And he's like, yeah, those are pretty good shops. And she goes, so does, do I have what it takes? And he goes, oh, no, no, no way, right? <laughs> and he explains that she has, like, stubby fingers or something and that she, she, she can't, she'll never amount to be a, you know, a, a, a true professional saxophonist. Um, was that was that wrong? Like he he laid it, he 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 told her his true opinion. He laid it laid it out there. I think it's a question of stages of development, um, and I am speaking from way out of pocket on this one because hey, we're not, not parents qualified at all yeah. to tell you how to raise your kids exactly. But um, here's my thought on that. Right, number one number one lesson that that every child needs to learn eventually is that their parents can be wrong about things or that their parents can be ignorant about things and this is a great example because let's say one of my little nieces or nephews came up to me asking about you know could I be a cowboy when I grow up or a cowgirl for that matter um I think number one I'd have to set an expectation that just because I think you can or can't do something doesn't mean I'm right like especially because I I've never worked on a ranch, so I'm not qualified to judge your potential. Like, don't don't listen to other people unless they are directly familiar with you and familiar with the thing that you're expressing interest in. But then the other thing is, if it's a little kid, and, and not even a little kid, even an adolescent, like, they're not self-actualized yet. They have no idea what they actually want to be doing. Yeah, you might feel a desire to be an astronaut but there's a whole lot of stuff you don't know about the world yet don't get hung up on the astronaut thing I feel like you can dodge the question entirely with those two points yeah you're probably better off dodging the question that's a good point Uh, I'd like to think that if someone is interested in being an astronaut for example which is a very tough thing to be right because there's not that many astronauts and it's highly selective and very difficult and even if you make it into their ranks, there's no guarantee you actually go on a mission from what I understand, right? We got standby astronauts and shit like that who do other jobs, right? Um, there's something about that that appeals to you. There's an entire like universe, a constellation, if you will, of other things that you could be doing in life that would put you kind of in that dimension and satisfy that urge or, or allow you to contribute more meaningfully than just being in the damn space capsule would. You know what I mean? Sure. So, but that's a hard thing, right? You can't tell an eight-year-old that. I mean, I guess you could, depending on the eight-year-old maybe, but um, I think that's a lesson that kids kind of need to figure out on their own to some degree. Yeah, I think it kind of makes you a dick if you tell an eight-year-old that. Yeah. Now, 13 maybe... I'd probably lay it out. Yeah, I guess it depends the 13-year-old, right? It's pro- All this is probably on a case-by-case basis. Sure. Um, I will tell you something that popped in my head. 
Uh, I remember reading an, uh, it was Willie Nelson's autobiography. And I'm, this is going to paraphrase, obviously, because I can't direct quote it. And this was years ago. But I always thought it was really cool. Uh, he said people come up to him all the time and ask him about um, if they have what it takes. You know, uh, or what do they think about, you know, what does he think about their set or something like that, right, that they just played? Or, you know, can you listen to my demo kind of shit, right? And his answer is something along the lines of, look, you, like, you don't want my opinion anyway because people always told me I didn't have what it takes. And the answer, if somebody tells you you don't have what it takes, should be like, hey, what the fuck do you know? Yeah, right. Like, I'm basically going to prove you wrong. And, and I like that because... You know, if for everybody that's told you you don't have what it takes to do something, like there's always going to be somebody that's been told that and and certainly proved everybody wrong. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in many different trades that you're interested in as a kid, like wanting to be a professional athlete or or some kind of you know performer or something like that, where it's in other people's best interest to reduce the amount of new competition, and you should always. This is the this is uh, Jonathan's inspirational corner now. Um, you should always take the explanation that you don't have what it takes to mean you don't have what I need or you don't have what I want. Remember that people have you know self interest. They're not motivated by pure and noble you know uh, forces to help you out or help you self-actualize and achieve your goals and shit yeah i think i think for me the lesson is is gonna be never ask anybody's opinion on anything yeah that's that's fair (laughs) most people give their opinions a bit too freely probably you don't really need to ask yeah i don't really want to rant about opinions though necessarily um i guess what i'd rather do is awkwardly segue into another topic Uh, if we may yeah so uh it came up in conversation a while back, uh, we were talking about names, you might recall, and what's your attachment to your name, and how do you feel about being called other versions of your name, like, yep. you know, you go by Jim, by and large, but some people do call you James, etc., right? And it reminded me, I was thinking recently about a friend of mine who, when we knew him in college, he was always Johnny, shout out if you're listening, um, but then at some point, in the past few years, he made like a conscious decision that he'd rather go by John and uh, said that he would appreciate it if people who call him Johnny, they, and it's fine to still call him Johnny and relate to him on that level, but, but to refer to him as John, introduce him as John, maybe call him John if you don't have a strong preference, right? And I was very impressed by that because talk about kind of taking control of, of your identity and the way that you're perceived, you know. And and it seemed like kind of a brave thing to me to, to, to take this, like, essential, fundamental aspect of who you are, at least in, in other people's heads, and, and wrest a little control of it and say, I'm going to make this change and it's going to change the way that other people maybe perceive me and so on and so forth. And... I reflected on like why is it so hard or why do you have the the instinct I think when when there's a change that you want to make whether it's about the way you look or the way that you talk or the way that you spend your time or the way other people call you I think it's universal that we all have this um, uh, kind of stop 
that, that comes up from inside that says, no, 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 don't, don't change anything about yourself. Just, just stay as you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's a universal experience, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't speak universally. Uh, from the places I've lived, I would say that's very true. Now, you know, obviously, I, I can imagine that's just a, a, a human trait or characteristic um, would be my guess. But, but yeah, sure. Uh, from my experience, I would say that that's definitely accurate. Well, it's, it, even if it's not universal, it's at least shared amongst a lot of people, I think. A lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. You, you've definitely been, and I think you had even said one time, like, you, you'd be on vacation and there'd be like a shirt that you would never wear back home. Right. Yep. But perfect you might, time. Yeah. Right. Try it out. See yeah. how it works for you. Right. See how n- no one knows you on vacation, so you can you yeah can that, try things. That shirt might even look good on you, right? right? And you rock it hard on that vacation, right? And then, but when you get home, like you put it in the closet, and then you go to reach for it at some point in time, and you're kind of like, ah, I just yeah, not, can't do it. I can't wear this to work. I can't wear this around right. the people that know me very well because I don't know. It's just not me. Like it's like it doesn't like yeah. they're gonna like. And I guess it really is just worrying about what other people think. And and so what I wonder is, and look, some people some people generally don't have that problem most of the time. But I think everyone has that feeling at some point, or has had that feeling at some point. And what I wonder is, what's the purpose of that shit? Like, what good is that doing society? Like, why is that? Why is that instinct sort of cropped up in the species? What what function does it serve? Well, let me say, so I think there's two different kinds of, of, of things here at play. One is is a bit of the, you're worried about what people think. And I don't think this is going to be the one, let me say this, where it's more of the keeping up with the Joneses type mentality, right? It's the, I need to drive this kind of car or need to own this type of house or TV or something like that because I care about what they think. And I don't think that's what's at play here, right? right? Because in this case, like, let's go back to the shirt you wore on vacation, right? It looked good on you. Like, you got a couple compliments. Like, hey, in that case, there's no reason not to wear it, right? right. So then why are you doing it? And I guess it's not because you care about what they think, like they're going to think it looks bad. It's, 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 It's actually harder than that. Like, it's, it's, there's more to it. It's not so surface. And I'm not really sure what that is, honestly. Like, why do I worry about what somebody's going, like, is it, I think about, okay, let me give you an exa- another example. So for me, um, there's a slow transition that, that generally happens where I stop shaving my beard every, every winter, right? In North Carolina, the winters get somewhat cold. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know, sometime in the fall, I just don't shave anymore. And, but that happens gradually, right? Like your sure. beard grows long, and by the end of the winter, you got this long, scruffy beard. But then usually I get rid of it all at once, right? Sometime in the spring, it just gets hot, and I'm freaking sick of having this thing. So I just shave it off. And everybody acts like they've never seen me before. Like, oh, my God, look how different you look. And they're like, eh, it's really only been on there for about four or five, six months, something like yeah, that. Sure. I have no idea, right? Okay, well, but it's, it's, a, it's a drastic, quick change, right? Whereas, like, one day I didn't just show up with a bushy beard took a while to grow right so it was a slow transition that people saw happen and then um but the the actual removal of it happens well overnight for people right just one day it's there the next day it's gone um i try to play around with that this is probably a little different and sidetracking it but i like to to see what i can do with rocking a mustache for a little while or something like that because that's just fun 
Because um, you might as well, right? You took the time to yeah, go there. Yeah, sure. But you're right. Like, for me, I think that that's just more like a, you kind of don't want to have to go through it. Like, the, the, the explanation, the question and answer part, like the, oh, hey, what made you do that kind of thing? And then you're going to have to answer over and over again. Well, you know, it's just getting a little hot and I was just getting a little sick of that kind of thing. I mean, is that all there is to it, though? There's got to be more to it than that because... You know, there has certainly been times where I've thought, man, I'll give you another example because I'll use myself here. Like on the weekends, I tend to rock hats. No, not, I'm not like fucking Dr. Dre and uh, not, not, <laughs> not an NWA, but, but uh, Dr. Dre knows, Andre knows Dick. No, that's oh, his, yeah, that was his poor name or whatever. Yeah, yeah from the league, uh, right? Where everyone makes fun of his hats <laughs> because he's constantly wearing them. Um, yeah, I haven't watched that in a while, by the way, but we'll get back to that later. Um, but yeah, I'm fine with it, right? Like you throw a hat on, right? I never wear a hat to work and you can though, right? Like other people do. There's no, we don't have a policy against it. I just don't. And now I feel like it's almost too late. Like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. hey, you've, you've, ne- you've never done it. You can't just pull this out all of a sudden after a long time, right? People would be like, whoa, what's up with, what's up with the hat? Yeah, I, I, think, I think part of that is uh, we are wired to um, prize consistency in the behavior of other people. If someone establishes a pattern of behavior, like, I don't know, they go to church every Sunday or they always have lunch in the break room or something like that and you become accustomed to that and then they break the change it signals whether whether it's true or not it signals that there's something driving that change that something has changed for that person that has resulted in this change in behavior and that's something that is um, upsetting and I don't mean upsetting in the sense of you know you're gonna break down and cry over it I mean upsetting in the sense of suddenly you're your equilibrium is threatened. You know, your, your homeostasis has been, has been upset. So maybe it's, maybe a large part of it is that like, if you, if you kind of establish, all right. So like your, 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 your self really only exists in the minds of other people. You know, you've got your interior life and your private conscious experience, obviously, but who you are or like who I am is really just this composite, uh, you know, shared consensus. That's redundant. It's really just this consensus that other people agree on what constitutes Jim Martin or what constitutes Jonathan Hamilton. And that informs the way that they relate to you. And when you make an outward change that they pick up on, it threatens that model. And it, and it forces people to reevaluate who you are and what assumptions they've made or what they think they know about you. And that's, that's tough, man. I don't really like thinking about most people that much. If somebody starts wearing, you know, uh, shorts when they normally wear pants or something like that, I don't want to sit around thinking, what the fuck is he wearing shorts for? And then I'm going to ask the guy, what the fuck are you wearing shorts for? I know it's not helping anything, yeah. but... You know, that's that's the knee-jerk reaction. That's my instinct. Yeah, that brings up another question, though, right? I I don't want people that, like, if I just show up, like, in something different, like, I'd rather, for the most part, people not point it out or ask about it. Sure. So why would I do that to somebody else? <laughs> but the answer is I probably would, right? Yeah. Fuck. Um, Man, that makes me a terrible person. <laughs> I don't I don't want to single anyone else out. I, I brought up the example of my friend John because... That was such a remarkable thing, and, and I'm 
to be clear, not making fun of it. No, yeah, you're, you're not coming off. No, like not that. at all, man. You're giving them total props for it because, like, it's it's a bold move. Like right? yeah. most of us would not do that. Yeah, um, but but like, oh, I really, I, I do kind of wish I could get into some specific examples right now. Uh, <laughs> that we could unpack a little bit. Well, let's well, ask maybe our listeners at this point. Oh yes, we have we have. Don't email us. Our email address is mailbag at noexpertspodcast dot com. But for this particular thing, hit hit up our Twitter account so other people can see it. Um, and that's at noexpertspod. Uh, and yeah, post post something. And I'll, I'll even issue a challenge. Right? Maybe. Do something a little different, mix it up, right? Oh, and maybe shit. we could do the same thing. So wait, maybe let me we'll... let me let me be clear, or let me make sure I understand. One, you're asking for examples of times that they've tried to change things up. Maybe how... they try out wearing a wristwatch, or yeah, how did it go for like it? That. Yeah, yeah or go. maybe they tried out wearing a pocket watch. <laughs> and then the challenge <laughs> aspect is that shirt you got on vacation. You should break that out around your friends. You got it. Yeah, and see see how it goes, and let us. Well, don't let us specifically know. Let you know everybody that that follows us know. And also, if you have done this before, you already have a story. Cool. Or if you just have no problem with this, it's just like no, man. That's like you just don't see it the same way we're seeing it. You know, I think this. I think this. There's a lot more than our typical topics here uh, that people can relate to, mm. right? Because it's somewhat personal. Like we've either you've tried this before, you've had a good experience, you've had a bad experience, or you just don't even know what the hell we're talking about. You're like, oh, that's crazy. People don't people don't worry about that. Well, let's roll out some more specific examples. Uh, so like high school is a pretty formative time in your life. Yep. And that's probably, high school is probably where you started the set, the template of how you would conduct yourself as an adult with respect to the way that you groom and dress, right? I don't know. Maybe not. Like, I'm not saying that you set it in stone and, and that this is what you look like senior year necessarily, but it's when you started making conscious choices uh, and, and took a little more control over your appearance. And, well, I mean, and it's certainly why I still rock Z Cavaricis to this day. <laughs> um, <laughs> For those of you that don't remember the 80s, I was not in high school then. <laughs> so I made, a, I made a change in high school uh, the way that I dressed and, and took a risk. And I don't know that it paid off because I honestly don't think anyone really gave a shit. But even that's illuminating. Like I, uh, I was kind of tired of just blending in, being a wallflower and stuff, and trying to walk around with my head down all the time. Cause I had been bullied in middle school, you understand. And so I tried to just go under the radar. Well, so in high school, I got sick of that shit, and I said, uh, "Let's call attention to ourselves," you know. So I got a bunch of like really bright, like primary color type T-shirts. Like that was the whole wardrobe was like primary color type t-shirts and was just out there bright as hell and like if I had an impulse to, to rock up in the quad not just walk through but like jump up on the bricks and shit like that I did it you know like I was present visible my gestures got bigger my voice got like started projecting more you know just to sort of I don't know like announce my presence you know and um yeah, it was fine. Like, I don't think anyone realistically gave a shit, but sure. it was an interesting process to go through, deciding how do I want to actually do this? Like, what kind of attention am I looking for or what kind of um, 
what kind of image do I want to project? And, you know, only working within this sort of limited resources I had, I couldn't really go out and buy a whole bunch of distinctive clothes. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I didn't really keep that up per se. Like I got to college and kind of ditched a lot of that pretty quickly, but some of the stuff like how loud I talk is an artifact of that time still. But like the important thing about it was that that it was a break point. I had the freedom to do it in high school because I knew I'd never see most of those motherfuckers again. So what's the point? Go ahead and try it out because I'm going to just have a whole new set of people that I interact with uh, as soon as summer comes. You know what I mean? It certainly gets harder when you get older. You think so? Just because there's less radical change? Yeah. Like if you were to move like to a different state and oh you could totally reinvent yourself yeah right, right. But would you but would probably you? not most people probably don't i mean i did move to a different state i'm not from oh that. yeah for sure <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh i no i i did not reinvent myself when i moved here huh damn what a missed opportunity yeah i'm moving somewhere else now well maybe maybe what you should do is just start going by james and like do, people call me james well yeah some people call you maurice but what you should do is start asking to be called james and then lump in a bunch of other minor changes, so it's a like one package. And the and the name thing is probably the biggest one that people would adjust to and ask you about and shit. And it it'll be like a distraction from all the other crap. And then once you're wearing hats to work and shit like that, then you can say, "Oh, I was just kidding, everybody. You can call you can just call me Jim." Still, I'm gonna start wearing ridiculous like not. Just, I'm not talking about like a baseball cap or a driver's cap or something like that. Like fucking Abe Lincoln top hat here. <laughs> a stove stovepipe. Stovepipe, yeah. yeah, exactly. And a monocle. Yeah, right on. <laughs> That'd be awesome, right? I mean, no one rocks a monocle. But but that does bring me to, like when you mentioned high school, that's usually a time when you copy somebody else's. Like yeah. you're, usually you're not going out there and thinking, hey, I'm, no one's rocking that monocle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that back myself. You know, uh-huh. Not so much, right? You see something in a movie or in a video, music video, something like that. Like somebody you kind of look up to um, and you're like, that looks cool, man. You know, uh, I guess like Slash was rocking a a top hat kind of deal, but I I don't know too many kids that pulled it off or even tried. Maybe that's too extreme. Um, I think it's it's hard to get that effect without having the hair as well. Yeah. But certainly like you're more willing to steal uh, ideas from somebody else that, that has it. Well, and I sure. guess to some extent we still do that as an adult. Um, it's just a little bit more muted, right? Like you're not going to go, like you said, with like something like really bright or over the top. Like you might see the other guy that has like, a, I don't know, a different... A very smart vest. Yeah, and be like, I can rock that fast. Oh, the three-piece suit. You go to a wedding, right? And you're like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, man, look at me wearing two-piece suits. That, that dude over there is rocking a three-piece suit. <laughs> I'm going to go out and buy me one of those. Yeah. And you do it. And the next wedding you go to, you can rock that. And you can get away with that at a wedding, right? Yeah. I think you can. But, yeah, because that's not like your daily experience. Hopefully you're not going to weddings all the time. No. But, like, when you go to a wedding, it's sort of under... That's that's a great example, because that's a scenario where you are 
um, having a having a sort of role put upon you, a different set of circumstances put upon you, wherein uh, your normal mode of self-expression is suspended because the attention is supposed to be on the bride and groom anyway. That's why everyone is supposed to conform to the dress code. That's why, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not peacocking at a fucking wedding unless there's, it's your own There's wedding. always somebody that does, though. Right? I know, a bunch of jerks. Yeah, like you, like, you can, like, hey... You can buy a new suit. You can wear one that, again, it doesn't matter if it's a three-piece suit, two-piece suit, or, like, sometimes three buttons jackets are in. Sometimes two-button jackets are in. It depends on what year we're talking about or pleated pants or cuffs yeah. or whatever. Pleated khakis with a braided belt. And yeah. A, yeah, a right. button-up shirt tucked sure. in. But it doesn't matter, right? You're going to – you're like, as long as you're in between the lines, right, there's the, there's certain parameters you got to fall within here. Well – there's always somebody that's way outside the lines. Mm, yeah. And, and Some asshole wearing tails. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The dude that shows up in a seersucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, or the leisure suit or something. You're like, come on, buddy. What? Who are you, Tom Wolf? Doesn't he wear seersucker suits? Yeah, I think, yeah that, that works. Uh, we'll write, it, write in if you are Tom Wolf or no Tom Wolf. Yeah, I'm like Google. All, all the right stuff, right? This this goes back to the can you be an astronaut? Uh, can you pull off a seersucker suit? Wait, wait, that's that's Tom Wolf, isn't it? All the right stuff. Did he write or the right stuff? Isn't it? Um, yeah, probably. Who knows? Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know the man's CV. <laughs> you're t- presumably you're talking about the book. Yeah, got yeah. turned into a movie. Yeah, but sure, it's a book about astronauts. Yeah. Yeah, I think Clint Eastwood was in the movie and Gene Hackman. Hmm. Who oh, bacon number? Ah, uh, okay. So this goes to something else, yeah. Yeah. We 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 enjoy playing uh six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Who doesn't? Yeah. And we're we, we, we consider ourselves fairly decent at it, actually. <laughs> so, um but I don't know how good of podcasting it makes to sit around and actually try to try to play it. Especially with no edits. Yeah. We maybe we'll maybe we'll put that on Twitter, but I guess it seems like we overthought it then, or we cheated, or looked it up. Uh, well, why don't we put it on the listeners? Um, I, whoever can get the lowest bacon number for Gene Hackman without uh, cheating and looking it up, I'll uh, I'll seed it a little bit for you. Hackman is, I guess, most famous for the conversation, uh, Enemy of the State. Uh, what are some other Gene Hackman? He played Lex Luthor in one of them Superman movies. Yeah, but then you got to you got to start thinking about the co-stars at that point, right? Well, you got you got Will like, Smith in Enemy of the State. What movie was he in where he had like a big name co-star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Eastwood and uh, the right stuff. Uh, we're doing exactly what we just said we probably shouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm still not sure what the function of that mm, sort of curtailed impulse is. Like, what, what is it helping either the individual or the, the, the herd to do or not do? Like, how is that enhancing anyone's life to, to not take that shirt out of the closet? Why do we feel that tug that says, nah, nah, just wear that t-shirt again? I don't think we've arrived at a satisfactory. I don't know. Conclusion. I don't know if I. I don't think I got the answer, man. Yeah. I really just. 
I think the consistency and behavior thing, like keeping in mind that you you are sort of the collective experience of you that exists only in other people's heads, is the number one thing, right? You don't want to fuck up the waveform. You don't want to rock the boat, the boat that is you. Yeah, it's funny though. I mean, I I think most people. Yeah, my thought is that most people probably do that, right? They don't stretch out too far from from their norm, right? Sure. Um, I'm sure there are people that do, and that's fine. And I actually applaud those people, like you said. Um, but I'm not one of them. But I just don't know why. Yeah. And it's not just fashion. Let's be clear. I mean, I'm talking about trying out a new vocabulary word, even, or uh, or maybe an, an idiom that you recently learned from listening to We're No Experts. Yeah, right. You should. You should, especially now that you know the origin of the idiom, so you can use it <laughs> properly. That makes it good, right? I mean, if you were if you were saying, uh, what's one of our past idioms that we've breaking what, we used ice. last week? Yeah, breaking the ice. If you're like. Oh, yeah, I guess I'll break the ice here. Well, you know how you can break the ice? By telling people the origin of the phrase breaking the ice. So I think we're coming to the end of an acceptable episode length. And uh, and, and I did bring up the idiom because I wanted to uh, mention an idiom that was actually submitted by a listener. Uh, and, and we need to unpack this one because I have no idea where it comes from. The, to be in the short rows. Do you know what that means? Is it clear to you just hearing it? So, okay, the, the we both know the listener that you know g- gave us this idiom to use, and 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 thank you, Thomas, for that. Uh, was it Thomas? Oh yeah, it was yeah, Thomas. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, although I didn't ask him if I can say his name on our show, yeah. but who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it's a good idiom, right? And and I hadn't heard it though. Uh, so I had to actually ask him for a little bit more details here. I, I, I said, well, can you actually just use it in like a sentence or tell me how you would use it? Yeah, spell and be rules. Right? Like I, I need a little bit more to go on here. Sure. So what he told me, I think, uh, was something, again, I'll paraphrase a little bit here. But it was like, okay, well, the last time I used this, I was working on a project and somebody asked me how that project was going. And I said, I'm in the short rows now. So... That's kind of like, well, does that mean you're what? Like, it's going well? Like, I, I've worked in restaurants in the kitchen where people say, I'm in the weeds. Yeah. And that's, things aren't going well. Right. Uh, you know, so I still wasn't 100% sure. But I didn't want to press too hard. I said, okay, well, I'll just go with that and see if Jonathan has a clearer idea. Like, I, I want us to be on the same page. I don't want to have really more information than you do going into this. But yeah, I had never heard of this before, and that's all I know about it. Yeah, so I, I know it means that you're almost done with something. Okay. But so I, that's good then. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, but I don't know the origin. So like I, I, I kind of figure it's one of two things. Uh, it's probably related to farming somehow, which is the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Or it's related to maybe knitting. And I say that because in, in knitting, you, you generally oh. do the rows, right? Yep. And as you get towards, I don't really knit, but my understanding is when you're knitting something, like you do the shorter runs last, right? Or like you work up to it. Like you don't, you don't start from the bottom of the quilt and go up to the top of the quilt. It goes on diagonal, no? 
Oh yeah, no, I have no idea. I've never knitted. Anything. Well, I guess that's crocheting, not knitting. But uh, huh. there is a difference between crocheting and knitting. I'm sure. Well, as long as they both have rows, though, then yeah. it's still it's applicable. But see, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think it is going to be farming. I farming occurred to me too, but because of the you plant in rows. But I don't. I did, I couldn't figure out a way that that's either good or bad or near completion or any of that right because the rows are i mean when i drive by a farm like in in it's been you know done with tractors and farming equipment and stuff like i've gardened right when i garden the rows are all just the same size i'm essentially planting in like a a square or a rectangle shape yeah the short rows is kind of a weird thing right? yeah so i'm not really sure like for me one row is not necessarily shorter than the other yeah but i did use the same kind of you know mentality or try to use like a, the same approach and that's what has rows right uh i came up with stadiums or theaters you know has rows like seats database and, tables <laughs> yeah whoa whoa expert <laughs> excel spreadsheets uh so yeah uh right seating uh in in, in venues has rows and if you can imagine a theater, a lot of times the close rows are shorter, right? Like row A near the stage is short and the theater kind of works out like, a, you know, a, is a triangle shape, I guess, uh, from the stage towards the back. And the back rows can be longer, right? So there's more seats the further back you go. Each row gets bigger. And so I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think that that's it, mm. but it is one of the things I came up with. Now I'm with you I'm with you on the farming like plots being mostly uniform. But I could see there being like okay, you farm, you want to make the most of all the land that you have, right? You don't necessarily have like a big uniform area that you can that you can just stuff all your plots into. You might have a little chunk that's like a surveying error that's on your property maybe you put some oddly shaped little plot there i i don't know that could make sense to me well okay so if you're doing something like let's say mowing a lawn right? okay that's the closest to farming well i guess again i garden a little bit but that i'm going to come from is is you know to operating like some kind of commercial type farming tractor you know or what it, I think that's a tractor, isn't it? That they used to kind of till the rows where it's got the little divider. It's like a big industrial hoe, I guess. Yeah, and right. it goes in between the rows of, of crops. Yeah, that's right. You drag it behind the tractor. Yeah. If it's a small plot, you just use a hand tiller. Right. Or you might have had a, an ox or something back in the day. Well, they're still dragging a plow. Yeah. Plow. Okay. Um, well, it's still easier to go in a square or rectangle shape than it is to have some weird trapezoid type shape, right? Like, and if you're dragging it uniformly across a bunch of rows, like, it doesn't really make sense to have, like when I drive by a farm, like, and I'm, I'm in, in like the country and I'm just driving down, like, I think of all the corn crops you might see in Iowa or the Midwest, like if you've ever driven through, you know, the flat areas of Ohio or Indiana or something. And you just see these row after row and it's almost hypnotic. You know, if you're not the driver, you just look out the window and you just watch them pass and the, the, the gaps between the rows, like just like fly by and you get like that, like hypnotic type. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like 
I feel like it's just a big ass rectangle shape of land with equal length rows of, in this case, corn. Yeah, but that's uh, that's post industrial agriculture. Oh sure, yeah. Maybe okay. the saying predates it probably know, all that stuff. Yeah. In any case, I think we can agree that getting to the bottom of this idiom is a tough road to hoe. Oh. A little two for Wait, one. Do people say that? Yeah. That's a tough road to hoe. Yeah. Oh well, that idiom's obvious then. Is it? That would be farming. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, also the meaning is obvious. I would hope. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's look it up real quick. I agree. Um, I've I've exhausted my guesses at this. All right. So this is what I found here from uh, some fucking random blog. I'm not going to give credit to because they have five posts. Who cares? Uh, well, obviously they're an expert, and they <laughs> their answer is certainly definitive. This is not authoritative. <laughs> okay, seldom is there a perfectly square or rectangular plot to place a home garden. Home so, garden. So quite often the garden has a narrow end or an angled side that made some rows shorter than most. When you get to the short rows, it means you're almost done hoeing or picking in the garden. Oh, by the way, uh, this person wrote your y o u r. Oh, that's great. points off. Yeah, this is garbage. Yeah. All right. So if you're someone besides Thomas who has some insight onto the the truth of that particular idiom, please hit us up. Mailbag at noexpertspodcast.com. Twitter at noexpertspod. We'd love to hear from you. Any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? Put it in the can. No, I got nothing. I'm just gonna tell more people. Hey, give us ideas. Send hit us up. What do you want to hear us talk about? Otherwise, we'll just keep coming up with stuff on our own, which is okay. I'm, I'm done with it. It doesn't have to be an idiom, by the way. So far, we've gotten two idioms. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm grateful for those. Believe me, it, it's been fun. Yeah. But, you know, I, I liked last week's topic, I will say, two weeks ago, last episode's topic. I'm going to, I'm always going to do that, by the way. That's never going to end. I know. So next week on the show. <laughs> um, yeah, we got a little kind of ridiculous with it. With the would you rather be on a submarine or uh, an airplane type thing? Yeah, there's and that's no, fun, you know. So there's no right or wrong topic. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely no uh, no rubric for what constitutes an acceptable topic. Hopefully, that's becoming more and more clear with every passing episode. Agreed. Yeah. So let's look forward to what we come up with next time on We're No Experts. <laughs>